This is Hearts of Oak Podcast. Free speech, religious disagreement, children's rights, and open and free discussion on any topic are bedrock to a democratic free society, and we seek to promote and champion these basic rights. Join us. Let's keep the conversation going. Callum, it is great to have you back with us once again. Well, hello. Thank you for having me again. Not at all. Uh, you go to these weird and wonderful places in the world, so it's always good to to get a completely different viewpoint. So thanks for coming on, and obviously the links to not only this trip, but all the other ones are in the description, uh, so people can just click and go to your Britannica Politica YouTube, which actually give me it gives me so many ads, so it's obviously popular if it's throwing up so many ads. I, I don't think YouTube's found out yet. I think they're just saying, oh, tra travel vlog, right? Oh, no, nothing unusual there. Don't tell um, them. No, will not. I, I uh, thoroughly enjoyed it. But to our viewers, obviously, you've done this is your third one, isn't it? Because you're on to about your Afghan trip and then you did a little sneaky weekender in Serbia. And then this is number three. Yeah. In so the series. I I, I'm trying to go to shitholes for fun. Uh, so <laughs> we we did Afghanistan, which yeah, thanks to Miles. Uh, <laughs> then when we, when we went to Serbia, I mean, the main thing there wasn't. I mean, it was Serbian culture and whatnot, but also we went to go meet the migrants. So loads of Afghans and whatnot that come up through Serbia. That's one of the main routes because they're not in the EU to then get into the EU via Hungary or Croatia and then to the rest of where we are. So we went and interviewed those guys, and those guys are just. Um, not great. I'll be honest. Was was not filled with confidence meeting those people because they they have no interest in us. They have no interest in anything yeah. to do with the West. It's literally just Gibbs. They're, they're not in danger in the slightest. So whatever. There's that. So go check that uh, video out. And then the most recent one was I decided I'd go to um, New Russia. So not only old Russia as we know it, the Russian Federation, but the new provinces. So I went down to Luhansk and uh, saw what life was like there at the moment. Well, let, is... let, let's get into all this. This is, yeah, an Englishman in Russia um, and not uh, some of your others. Again, the links for those documentaries there in the description. But I guess Russia is, what, easier to get into than Afghanistan, but maybe more difficult than Serbia. So it was kind of in the middle. Um, I mean, what do you define by more difficult, I suppose? Well, you because... did. It's probably slightly more difficult. Maybe there aren't as range, as big a range of flights, and then you still have to go and pay for your visa. So, I mean, you just go to Serbia. I've been to Serbia quite a few times, and yeah. you can drive there. So, it's actually kind of more accessible, I guess. Um, but you, you got there your hotel. I, I love the way you. <laughs> what was it? Big ass bed, very nice. <laughs> big ass TV, very nice carpet very nice uh, i love the surprise at seeing carpet <laughs> but yeah it was a decent hotel it was a very nice carpet i'll be honest i wouldn't have mentioned it if it was so i walked around <laughs> on my feet and i was like oh it's great like just to have such a, a high quality who cares carpet right you just leave it you forget it for 10 years turns into a piece of crap no one ever replaces it no this has been replaced recently by the feel of it uh but the the getting into part when i went to afghanistan yeah. You, you pay for the visa, you pay for the flight, whatever. It's, I think it was, oh God, what was it? 30 hours or something of flights. So that was that was pain. But like going through security, you turn up, fill in some form. No one reads it. No one interviews you. What are you going to do? Make the place worse? Good luck. 
Uh, so, but Russia right now, of course, they're taking their security extremely, extremely seriously yeah. for the understandable reason. So I got taken to a separate room uh, after my passport just failed to scan. Okay. Uh, mm. they, take, they take the passport off you. You're then looking around. You notice that the only people with you are a bunch of people from like Egypt and then some Ukrainians. <laughs> like, uh, this is going to be fun. Then they move you to another room where you just get told to sit and wait. How long? Four hours later. I've been here for four hours. What's going on? Wait. Thanks. Cool. Everyone around you by that point. The Ukrainians have left. They're fine. You're still there with all the Egyptians. And then eventually you get dragged into a third room where you just have to get, I don't know if the word is interrogated, but they want to know everything about your life. And a mate of mine who's also British, who was only visiting Russia, not the new regions uh he had the same experience so apparently this is for if not eu citizens at least all uk citizens mm -hmm. which is the you you get in enhanced security which is they check your phone they check what you got in your bag they ask you what you're doing who you know uh they call them up ask them why the hell you're here they want to know where your parents yeah. live the whole shebang so yeah i mean that's 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 worse than the taliban but you know it's understandable <laughs> <laughs> Taliban is up there. Hey, I'm sorry. DJQ <laughs> says Zelensky green question mark. So is that a Zelensky t-shirt you have? No, I got this before <laughs> him. He's he's stealing my look, if anything. I've... <laughs> um, Victoria Willing there says McDuck is tasty. We'll get onto that in a bit. But uh, one of the big things obviously is cash. So you were showing your hordes of cash uh, on your desk when you got to the hotel. Obviously, cash is the only way. I mean, tell us what that was like. Yeah, so for the Russians, people seem to think... So I, I had all the cash, and the people thought that everyone just uses cash there. No. So as soon as we kicked them off the payment system in the West, they just logged onto a new one. It all works. It's fine. And everything they pay with is card. I saw very few people carrying cash. The only people it affects are us. So when we turn up as foreigners we have to bring piles of cash now because you won't have a card that works. And if you think, oh, I'll just open a Russian bank, and put money in there and then use a card. Yeah, you can, but it's it's not the easiest thing in the world. And also, I don't know, do you really want to go through that rigmarole? It's easy just to carry mm. the cash. So yeah, yeah if you're going to go, uh, definitely take US dollars. That's the best thing. The other thing is euros. I tried some British pounds. No bank in all of Moscow would accept my British pounds. So I, I tried like five. What, what was it like? I remember when I was living in Bulgaria and I, I could open up a bank account and it had to be a US dollar. So whenever you went to get money, you'd queue up. Uh, the, the 20 years ago, didn't have ATM. You queue up, you'd eventually get your dollars. You join another queue um, and then you'd get... That would give you a slip to exchange it into leva and then you join the third queue and that would give you leva as about 45 minutes but um how do you just go in and you had to show id and exchange your money i you don't even need id you, you just turn up to an exchange place here's a bunch of dollars um they'll give you whatever i think if you did a high enough amount so if you did like a, a, a couple of grand or something like that in one go maybe a grand they'd ask you for id and documentation but if you do like a few hundred here and there no one cares so it's it's very relaxed. Oh, if, if only we were like that. And yeah. um, what? So you yeah, you got there. You you checked out. The hotel was an impressive hotel. I mean, the lobby was huge. 
Yeah, it's an old Stalinist building. I think Stalin used to have dignitaries stay there. Uh, beautiful building from the outside as well. If people want to look it up, Hotel Hilton Leningradskaya. Really old. They actually have like a video playing in the lobby of all the different people who have stayed there and like Soviet propaganda about how great it is, which is really weird. But whatever. <laughs> like one way of advertising your hotel, propaganda films. <laughs> I, th- I think I think it was number fifty out of like seven hundred fifty. I guess it wasn't packed full of foreigners. Uh it was. I didn't see a single Russian person staying there. No. Uh, there was some Brazilian journalist I met on the last day. He was really nice. Um, it, what was weird there is he was also because because we're sort of set up in this mindset in the West right now, at least generally. You know, we're combating Russia and Russia's bad and the West is good and we're helping whatever like your thing right but when you speak to someone from brazil or the world that's just away from this dichotomy it just didn't give a crap i was i was talking to him he was like yeah i just don't care i'm just here to cover a story about this that or the other russian brazilian trade relations but when it came to the conflict he was just like who wins wins Eh, not interested so when you met anyone in that hotel that seemed to be that position i didn't might find any westerners so quite refreshing um so you the first thing was going to get food um i loved it you went to mcdonald's via an off license so (laughs) i'm off to mcdonald's the next thing you were looking at vodka uh so you seem to be more interested in getting your don't know vodka fitting in russia than getting your big mac yeah but the vodka's two euros sorry two (laughs) dollars not two euros a bowl you know you know you go to the checkout in this country and you'll see like a bunch of confectionery they just have crates of different kinds of vodka, over two bucks. So, I mean, if you just pop in home, I mean, why not get a bottle while you're driving? I don't know. I, it works. I mean, I don't know if it works, but it's, it's how they live. So. <laughs> well, they do survive on vodka. Uh, the the Balkans survive on brandy, and I guess the Russians on vodka. Yeah. Um, but tell so tell us about food. Uh, whenever you did get food, it was Subway. That's not really Russian cuisine, is it? No, I get criticized in a few comments with people. Like in Afghanistan, people were like, why didn't you eat Afghan food? I do. It's just not very interesting, I didn't find, when looking through the footage. You know, it's me staring at a bunch of um, borscht or uh, pilemi, which is like uh, pierogies. But I don't know. It just like, it's all nice. I don't really have anything insightful to say about it other than it's nice. So it just seems like a bit of a waste of time. Because you don't know what it is, you're not gonna, you don't have the flavor in your mouth, right? But if I could tell you about their version of Subway or McDonald's, you know what that tastes like. You've got a reference yeah. point, so I just felt it was a bit more interesting. But some people saying in the chat, Freddos are a safe bet. They always are. Still looking for that. Ca- no, I bring Freddos. It was Kit Kats. I brought. I think it was Cadbury Buttons, uh, the caramel ones and the plain ones, and some other stuff. I gave away. I only filmed the buttons. I'm actually thinking of reaching out. I mentioned that I, I want to get sponsored by Cadbury. <laughs> I, why not? It'll be funny as hell for them. They got nothing going on. <laughs> you want you want you want to go to the middle of nowhere and sell Cadbury to random village people? Sure. Like, uh, you, you know, look on this trip. I actually saw you eating more than I've ever seen you eat in my whole life. I think every next clip was you eating somewhere. Hey, boys, go eat. <laughs> <laughs> um, the another thing that struck me was the architecture uh the buildings uh they're they look quite impressive when you think of 
uh, England and lots of things being knocked down and built up. You kind of think Russia as well, it'll be communist, it'll be massive concrete blocks, uh, which you kind of get over all different parts of Eastern Europe. But it seemed to have a beautiful architecture, beautiful buildings. Um, I think you commented on that. Yeah, I, I mean, there's a couple of aspects there. So once you get into the more rural parts of Russia, the left, so Moscow and St. Petersburg are the classic, like, amazing cities. Westerners go there for a couple of days, and that's their experience, which is fine. And they're the most astounding places. And, like, the Stalinist architecture for all the, the bastard things that Stalin did, his Stalinist architecture is really yeah. good. The metro is unbelievable yeah, yeah, in the yeah. sense of how beautiful it is. I people big it up a lot, and I always thought maybe it's overrated. I've been there before this trip, but still, it's every time I go back, I'm like, that's gold. I hate going to London and seeing the comparison. Like the Elizabeth Light opened earlier in London, yep. and people raving about it. it. Looks like shit. Sorry to swear, but it is awful. Just modernist nonsense that will look terrible in ten years. Everything in the Moscow Metro looks like that five star hotel, but underground. It's amazing how good that stuff is. But once you do get out into, so I went to Rostov in the south, which is a fairly yeah. big city, or some of the places around there, uh, Novoshansky or uh, Kimishkish or whatever the hell it was called, the one in the middle, <laughs> yeah. and then and then Luhansk. What? Yeah, you get the commie blocks. Commie blocks are a, still a thing, but you do get the occasional building that they've just redone, and it looks like something from the Romanov eras. So they they seem to be having the same sort of transition that maybe you've seen in. Hungary, mm. or I saw in yeah. Serbia, where they've yeah. got the old buildings, they were run down, and now they're building them back up. So the entire Slavic world seems to be experiencing that, as well as the Hungarians, which is nice. And we don't yeah. have it. Yeah, same, same Bulgaria. Yeah, you get them all being put back together and rebuilt and remembering their history after trying to forget about the communist past or life before mm. then. Uh, they're trying to uh, find it again. Um, and of course... Flags. I one other thing I noticed: lots of Russian flags, and of course, communist paraphernalia. But the two flags that were missing, which I think are our national flags, are LGBT flag and Ukraine flag. And it was quite nice; those didn't didn't exist there. <laughs> yeah, I mean, there certainly weren't any Ukrainian flags. That's, yeah. that's... <laughs> what what is funny about all that is that you. See, I mean, I I don't not understand the reasons as to why, but in Ukraine, you've seen endless videos of them smashing up um, statues or anything that was Russian or yeah. represents Soviet Union or anything like that. Uh, some of them are understandable, where it's like you know Lenin, screw that guy, Stalin, screw that guy, whatever, right? But then they started smashing up like Russian authors. Some of them were even like half Ukrainian. It all just—I think it seems like people in Ukraine have been a bit caught up in that. I don't know, but in in Moscow and Rostov, from what I saw, there's loads of Ukrainian writer statues, or you know, the Hotel Ukraina, things like this. They've not got rid of anything Ukrainian because, of course, they don't really seem to think they're going to destroy Ukraine as a thing or the Ukrainian language. So, but, but they're not—you could argue—being invaded and therefore have this massive Ukraine phobia or something. So there's that argument, for sure. Uh, as for the LGBT flags, yeah, yeah, none. Didn't, didn't, see, didn't see any BLM flags, either. Now I think about it. But but that, I mean, that's, that's part of what I certainly like about Russia. And generally, when you look at 
uh, a lot of the Eastern European countries that they have pride in their identity, they have confidence in their identity. Um, and in the West, we've lost that. So for all of kind of big bear Russia and for it can seem like an aggressor maybe to some of the smaller countries, actually, at least it has pride in its identity. Absolutely. I mean, that is one of the things people get confused about. There's there's some aspect of the right, um, specifically the right I'm going to talk about here, who get a bit obsessed with Russia. Many of them have never been and never going to be mm. going there. So it's a bit strange from those folks because they, they kind of get caught up in the propaganda, I find. But from those who have been, everyone can appreciate. And it's not just Russia. You find this in Poland. You find this in probably Bulgaria, and etc. Uh, an acceptance of patriotism, an acceptance of... Like, this is where I'm born, it's my land, that's why it's good. Not because I'm better than everyone else, but because it's mine. Uh, which we don't in the West, we actively suppress that. It's embarrassing that we do so. And when it comes to the, the homosexual stuff as well, my, my understanding is that in Russia, it's it's not a crime to be gay. If you want to be gay, that's fine. If you um have a boyfriend or a girlfriend, uh, I, I don't know how accepting Russian culture is of that being public. But I know that the most recent thing I saw in terms of legality, for just if anyone's gay and visiting, planning on visit, uh, I, I don't think you'll have a problem as long as there's no public displays of affection, I imagine. Like, uh, uh, I don't know, that's, that's, that's a most traditionalist places, yeah. put politely. But when it comes to the legal side, the only thing they have is that they banned, firstly, it was LGBT propaganda aimed at children. That was banned? Come on, come on. Very Hungarian. <laughs> <laughs> You know, Ron DeSantis would probably approve of that original law, which was we just, <laughs> look, you can't have this stuff aimed at kids. If it's a kid's program, if it's aimed at 18 or below, you can't do that. If you're aiming a program at 18 or above the way, if you want, who gives a crap? I think whilst I was there, they expanded the law now to include 18 and above, which of course is far more controversial and, uh, you know, far less about, uh, let's say, freedom in that regard. But that, that is what it says. And, and that's that's one of the things about this sort of traveling. I don't want to pass too much of a judgment on the places I'm going because I'm just trying to tell you what's there. I ain't living there. So I'm not going to sit around and tell you how they should change their laws because it's it's foreign land. We have no influence. What would be the point? I barely have any influence in my own country. So <laughs> it's that. <laughs> but I guess that's similar to that stance in Russia. It actually similar to Serbia uh, and certainly similar to Afghanistan. So I think that's what ties those three countries together. <laughs> Maybe. I must know it's a bit more weird because they don't really have any pride in being Afghan in that same way that the Serbs, the, the Russians do in being Serbian and Russian. Yeah, but I'm, I think... thinking of, so I'm, thinking of, I'm thinking of the LGBT stuff. Oh, yeah. Well, they're all certainly on that train. I think the yeah, Afghans yeah. are in that competition, though, because... Allahu Akbar. <laughs> yeah, Allah doesn't do the LGBT stuff very well. So no, no. yes, yes. <laughs> One of the few things I'll commend him or Muhammad for. But we'll not get into that conversation. Um, that would. Go I think up. they're accepting it, of teas. I think tea is still okay. Tea? Do you think yeah, so? Yeah. So in Iran, for example, tea is okay because you, if you're found being homosexual in Iran, there is a Quranic solution, which is that clearly. This man is not a homosexual man because that would be a crime against nature, according to the Quran. So, in fact, mm. he is transgender. He was a woman the whole time. Therefore, it's not gay. Okay. So you you either accept that bargain and go through the surgery or get killed. So 
That's the that's the tragedy of being homosexual in Iran. But it does mean that the transgender acceptance is a thing. So yeah, I don't know if if that's your world. Silver lining. <laughs> I don't know what to talk about. <laughs> so if I'm advertising to the the transgender adventure brigade out there. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, moving off. I want um, the metro. Have had you? Uh, how much of the metro did you use? Because as you said, the pictures I've seen, how impressive it is. Um, and you had a little clip of it. But did you go on it? Obviously, you didn't. Well, you got told off for filming on it. Yeah, I don't know if that's. It's a really weird place for filming in that sense. So, I've never seen this in any Slavic country except Russia. Russia seems to still have. It was explained to me. So, for example, if you get on a train in Russia, let's avoid the metro first. You have to present your passport. You have to go through airport-style security, and yep. then you get on the train. You can't just tap and walk in. No. Well, you're very serious about that. I thought this was because of counterterrorism. I was told the reason for this, and also the fact that the people checking your papers all have these communist-style hats with communist logos on still, it's because under the Soviet Union, well, you, of course... You mean like this? Uh, yeah, exactly like that. I could, have, that. I could have given that to you to keep warm because you kept getting cold. <laughs> well, I would have looked like a police officer and got arrested. So. <laughs> <laughs> but no, these, so they, they've got these railway workers. Um, there was no freedom of movement in Soviet Union. You have to have papers to be able to move to the next town or whatever, I was told, uh, at least at one point. So that system is still there for the trains. So when you go on the metro, same thing. You walk into the metro and there's metal detectors. And if you're holding a bag, nine times out of 10, someone will shout at you in Russian. You freak out. And then they just take your bag, shove it in a metal detector. Nothing, you know, gets scanned. There's no bombs. They just get back to you, bugger off. And then there's some lady at the escalators who's just like on her phone on every escalator. I don't know why she's there. Just pointless. But there's like security everywhere. So you don't know what you can and can't film. But then I tried to film too close to the, the tracks and then three guys came over and all started shouting at me. And I was just like, <laughs> sorry, <laughs> not Russian. <laughs> Leave me alone. <laughs> how, how visible was your filming? Uh, I always found it's better to be, if you're ever going to travel to somewhere strange and film, do it publicly. If you're seen trying to secretly film, that's yeah. way worse. Because you can explain, oh, sorry, I'm a stupid foreigner from the foreigner land. Yeah. And in any culture, they'll be like, yeah, whatever, bugger off. And it'll be over. So always just hold at the camera, look like an American tourist, pretty much. And uh, that's, that's, that's usually what I do. Um, the only exemptions to that is probably when I was in Taliban land and we try and maybe not <laughs> at the, attract at the black attention. markers. Yeah, I mean, you don't, you don't really want to attract that attention, so yeah. it's the only exemption. What was it? Were, did people look at you uh, cynically or uh, with suspicion? Because obviously someone from the West must be coming to put something out negative about Russia. Uh, is Was that part of it? Because you said you had to wait four hours to get in. Uh, is that a kind of thinking behind a lot of the maybe suspicion of the West? To be honest, maybe this is just me being lucky. On this entire trip, I didn't find any suspicious people being suspicious of me. Yeah, yeah. Except security, and that's their job, so fair enough. Or uh, in Luhansk. So the civilians there were a bit distrusting because 
like we we spoke to people and tried to ask, do you mind if we interview you, ask you these questions? We're showing the questions. Um, you know, I had a guy look over them just to make sure it wouldn't spook the hell out of anyone. Yeah. He said, yeah, no, those are fine. Uh, but no one, no one would talk to us because they're just that scared. I I think for a couple of reasons, which is that if the Ukrainians come back and they're on camera saying something nice about Russia and maybe something will happen, maybe they're worried that they'll say something wrong and, you know, get in trouble or something. I don't know. Uh, but that's, that's the only place I felt any problems. Everywhere else, I mean, like, I, I ran into a guy in a flea market in Rostov and jabbered away in half Russian, half English with this dude and the other people around us, all friendly. You know, go to an Irish pub, start talking about the situation, all friendly, all yeah. smiles. I never had to explain and sit there and be like, oh, yes, I, I am here to film about Great Russia or something to get someone's trust. Because they're incredibly isolated. So any foreigner who comes there and is like, yeah. yeah, I want to show what life's like, they're immediately just like, thank you for coming. You know, show people. So... Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, war museums you you did some filming some beautiful tanks in different places but um yeah tell tell us about that and uh is that a is do you have a specific tank fetish <laughs> oh who doesn't like tanks come on ah <laughs> uh, so, so yeah there's there's a few places so there's the victory museum in moscow which if anyone goes to moscow it's the easiest place to go on holiday Go, go for a weekend or two with a loved one. It's a very romantic place to be as well, especially even in winter. Uh, definitely take your girls to the Victory Museum because even though it's military nonsense, you know, women don't generally like staring at, there's enough there to be fun. There's enough um, light shows and stuff I didn't really have time to show in the video that they have. Uh, there's some old, like, like remakes of the Reichstag you can go and see. Yeah. Uh, any kind of gun, any kind of tank. There's Patriot Park I went to. That's a big thing in Russia. Various, uh, There's sort of like theme parks throughout the country. And it's just piles of every weapon you could think of, every tank, every plane, uh, railway tanks, or railway guns. I don't know what they're called. It's like a railway car, right? But covered in artillery and anti-tank guns and machine guns. The idea is you drive the train into the town and shoot it up. I, I don't remember that on Thomas the Tank Engine. No, but it should have been. A Russian Thomas the Tank Engine is a whole other thing. <laughs> but that's you can also shoot any gun you want there. I chose the Mosin. I was kind of annoyed because we just didn't have the time on the way back out. I just I had to leave because of time. But I'd love to go back to Patriot Park because it was it was 500 rubles for like 100 rounds or something on an LMG. I, I had loads of money left there because I just hadn't <laughs> spent it. I, I wish I'd just gone back to Patriot Park and be like, Shh. <laughs> for 30 minutes straight because that's just fun <laughs> so yeah if, if you like shooting that's easy too were you did you were, i can't remember you went with someone there or did you just turn up as a foreigner saying i'd like to shoot things so the the trip was a bit weird i knew a couple of people in russia from a previous trip so i met them in moscow i met friends of friends of friends yeah your network very quickly expands once you just ask hey do you know anyone who's around tomorrow you know, I went to like an Indian market with a lady, uh, yeah. for example. That was really funny, actually, because we're walking around and I hear the Indian music and I see the brands and the spices. I was instantly transported back to the UK. You get what I mean? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Which just was so weird because she didn't get it either. She was like, what do you mean it's like the UK? I'm like, you don't know. <laughs> you just don't know. Uh, so that was fun. So you start meeting friends like that, and then when I got a train, I was going to go meet someone else. 
So I had someone with me at any given time. Some people seem to think that someone was chaperoning me, like it's the Soviet Union. I can't transmit enough how much things have changed since the Soviet Union. Yeah, It's not like that at all. Even when I went to Luhansk, the Russian soldier guy I had with me, he was only with me like half the time. And even when he was with me, he he, he didn't even know what he was getting in for, frankly. It, I decided where we wanted to go. I decided what we we're going to see, who we we're going to talk to, uh, what we we're doing today. The uh, he, the was about, a, he was he was a quirky character. Yeah, I mean, he was just a so a friend of a friend of a friend was in Rostov. Great guy, made friends with him. I said, look, the guy I was going to go meet has been blown up by a mortar. I'm kind of buggered. Do you know anyone who could take yeah. me to the the new regions? And he says, eh, you know, I have a friend. Introduced me to Evgeny. Weird character. Big mustache, larger than life, goes to Ukraine a lot, yeah. has been fighting since 2014, killing people. Uh, he did mention to me at one point, apparently, he fought in Syria, which, okay. Because uh, <laughs> he talks a lot about Wagner. I never really got to the, the question about whether or not he worked for Wagner, but whatever. Mm. Um, fit as a fiddle, clearly does a lot of stuff. He's out there right now. He's upgraded his telegram. He's out, you know, fighting today, I think. Uh, but he seemed to just be some guy because he agreed to take me. And then when we got to the board, it was like, don't speak about this. Don't speak about that. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, brother, you don't know what you're getting in for. Because, of course, we get taken to additional security. And he's like, oh, it's been 10 minutes. I'm like, no, <laughs> it's not going to be 10 minutes. We get stuck for four hours talking to Russian border guard, then military intelligence, and, and then even more. We were just like, who the hell are you? <laughs> and uh, then when we're going around Luhansk, everything's fine. He knows everyone there. He's been fighting and he used to live in Luhansk for years. He, that's the thing about all the nationalists, the people who are fighting there. They've all got massive connections to Ukraine, like family yeah. connections. This is, this is a real family thing for them. It's not some uh, group of guys who have no connection to the land. They, they, all their family live there or their grandparents live there or something. And so that's fine. And on the way back out, of course, same border, checkpoint, more security. I just remember we got off the bus in Rostov. He was just so pissed at me. So he was just like, oh, for God's sakes. Like, it was just some guy. He didn't know what he was getting in for. And I was just like, yeah, sorry, man. It's going to be a lot of stops. My passport's cancer in this place. So, um, yeah, it's 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 free to travel around. If you meet friends of friends, you'll quickly be able to meet someone in any given town. And if they're a friend of a friend, they'll be nice to you. What so what was um what's the part that's kind of partially Russian, partially Ukrainian? Was that is that Lukansk or or the other one, Rostov? Yeah, so to explain for people who might not know the situation, um Ukraine became a country after the Soviet Union collapsed. It used to basically just be a Soviet Republic of USSR. Um I don't think Ukrainian nation really existed before in peacetime. You could argue maybe like the kingdoms of the of uh, Kiev and Rus or something, but eh. I, I mean in modern times probably. Uh, then stuff happened, politics. Russia ended up annexing Crimea, and then there was an uprising in these two places called Donetsk and Luhansk. Mm. Mm. Large Russian populations, Stalin's fault, as most things are, as to why there's so many Russians. In fact, I think the Donetsk used to be called Stalino, because of course. Wow. These people rose up. They've been fighting an insurgency for years with help from Moscow. 
And then when the Russian army moved in properly, not just, you know, unofficially, they have now annexed Luhansk province, Donetsk province, Zaporozhye and Kherson. So we went to the Luhansk province, which uh, that place has been a battlefield for, was it been, eight years, something like that. They've now got all of that province under control. We didn't feel any active threat. There was no, like, range for artillery to kill us. There was range for missiles to kill us or airstrikes. So, and you can see bullet holes in all the buildings. Much of the buildings have been blown up. But as for what it is, it's, according to the Ukrainians, their land, all of it. According to the Russians, they've annexed it. belongs to them now. And according to the people who live there, from what I saw, I didn't see anyone Ukrainian. I didn't see, you know, anything that made me think Ukraine. Everything there made me think of Russia. Uh, the flags, the people, the food, the apartments. You know, the place used to be a large Russian area, even when it was part of Ukraine. And since the uprising eight years ago, and then ever since, anyone who is pro-Ukraine has probably left. I've read multiple stories online of people used to live in these places. More Donetsk, the stories I've read, but same thing will be happening in Luhansk. If you were pro-Ukrainian or a young person who's Ukrainian or any of that sort, you've probably gone. Why would yeah. you have stayed? In which case, the result, I imagine if they did do a census, even if it's done by the UN, you know, run by Canadians or Bangladeshis, there's no interest. The demographics of that place have probably hugely changed. Hmm. So that's an argument for claiming the land, obviously. I did hear a story from a Russian lady who works for a Western organization in Moscow. So she's she's got access to both sides. The One of the things the Ukrainian government's doing is near the front line, if there's Ukrainians living there, they desperately want the Ukrainians to continue living there. Okay. Because if the Ukrainians leave, that's yet more territory that has a huge deficit of Ukrainians versus Russians. So whenever some kind of peace deal ends up coming, you've got less of an argument. And uh, the Russians are playing the same game. Don't, don't get me wrong. But it's it's just funny to me how when it comes down to it, everyone understands the claim of a land is just having your people there. And from what I saw in Luhansk, I didn't see anything Ukrainian. So I, I, I know there are going to be Ukrainians that are like that, but it's just that's how it is, man. I, I hadn't worked out actually before watching uh, your video because in the middle you kind of look at the geopolitics of, of the area. Uh, but I actually didn't realize that Ukraine was only a, a province of Russia because other countries like Bulgaria have got a thousand year history um, and other countries had to fight and there was a, I think Slovenia had like a three week battle with the USSR to actually gain their freedom as a country but Ukraine existed as a as as part, as a, as a province as opposed to uh, a separate country so it is quite different Ukraine when you look at the other kind of satellite states the USSR yeah, I mean, it's it's really interesting, actually, because so Ukraine was basically a province of the Russian Empire, nothing special. And then when that collapsed and you get Soviet Union, most of it was in the Soviet Union. Yeah. Sure, it was made into a Soviet Republic. This is mostly just PR. Anyone mm -hmm. looking at the history can tell that. But it's an integral part of the Soviet Union. It's, it's not flourishing in that way or independent in that way that Bulgaria or any of the satellites are. And since independence in the 90s, that's when you really start to get this... It's seemingly, I mean, someone could correct me if I'm wrong, this actual solidifying of what are we? Yeah. 
and seeing because uh, I mean that's where you get the changes of okay no we should be focusing on the Ukrainian language not this bilingual state this hyper focus and celebration specifically of Ukrainian culture to make it aware in people's minds I mean, one of the great conversations I had was with a guy in a bar in Rostov his half of his family are Ukrainian uh, living around that region again everyone you goddamn meet in this area there's cross border families no one's some kind of rabid nationalist just for their side. It's it's not like um, I'm Bosnian, I'm Croatian or something. There's no crossover. No, there's massive crossover in ethnic terms. But he, he mentioned that he used to go on, on holiday to Ukraine all the time. And he had gone in like the 2000s. Everything was cool. Meet anywhere you want. No problem. And then around about sort of 2014 and there throughout, he started just getting random hostility from people he's on holiday with. As if, you know, he'd like murdered 14 Ukrainian babies or something. Like, he'd be talking to them in Russian. They're talking um, Russian to him because they think he's from Ukrainian Russian province. And then they find out he was from the Russian Federation. They just stop talking to him and then start talking Ukrainian and refuse to use the Russian language. He said, what the hell was that about? And then ever since this guy was mentioning, he's been on so many more holidays, even before the special operation. And it just got worse and worse and worse. I still haven't been to U- Ukraine. I'd, I'd love to go if um, it's safe. I, 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 think, I don't know how badly some people might take the video I made there, but I'm happy to show the Ukrainian side as well. I'm, I'm not got a problem with that. But uh, my best guess from what I can see and what I heard is that the Ukrainian identity and Ukrainian culture really is something new in historical terms in the way it is now. And that proper split of when nothing to do with Russia is, is very new. So... Yeah. Yeah. What what was it like when you were getting the bus down to Luhansk? Because uh, you're kind of thinking, well, I'm going to somewhere which is on the edge of um, off a war zone that's disputed territory. Uh, were you slightly apprehensive going down there? So when we got on the bus from Rostov, you then get to the old border, and that's what the border checkpoint is. About hour three and a half into that checkpoint, I did honestly sit there and think, what am I doing in my life? Why not just stay home? Why not just play video games? Who cares? Yeah. Oh, God. Because you don't know, maybe the phone call gets made and the guy at the top just goes, arrest him. Fuck him. Like, who is this? Yeah. Thankfully, it got to someone and they just said yes. Um, don't know who. Thanks, bro. <laughs> and then when you get on the, the bus to the, the war zone, honestly, I felt great. Um, don't know if there's something wrong with me, but... <sighs> There's something about... I, I was the same with Afghanistan. I've, I'm, I don't know how to put this into words properly. Maybe you've had this in like Eastern Europe when it was less lawful as well. There's, there's something about those kind of places where everything's a bit serious in the regard of like only serious things matter. Mm. Life or death matters. Whether mm. or not you've got a vaccine passport, it's like the stupidest question you could ever ask. Yeah. That kind of yeah. environment. I love it. Because it, it, it doesn't feel like you're being controlled anymore, even though everything around you is men with guns, army soldiers, you know, people who could probably kill you if they had no reason to, but just felt like it. It, it still feels freer in that way. Am I making any kind of sense? Well, I think the seriousness <laughs> comes the serious comes from that life can be harder in those places. Yeah. And I think in the West, we have entertained ourselves to death, where there actually life is, uh, you're right, uh, more serious, where here life is what you want to watch on 
YouTube that evening or that day. It's or how many likes you have for something. It's life is reduced down to that trivialness where there it is life and death. It is more serious. It's it's way more real, and you yeah. actually care about like what you're going to eat tonight, for example. Yeah. Such a mundane thing, but like I, I genuinely was thinking about, oh god, we're gonna have dinner, and so the the kind of stress you get from that is almost rewarding, in a way. I, I was trying to have this conversation today about like the acceptance of corruption and why it makes life better. I don't mean bribery, but I was thinking about it some more. So when I got on the plane from Afghanistan on the way back, I get to this front of the queue. Uh, blah 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 blah. Sorry, mate, I don't speak Pashtun English. Oh, no problem, sir. <laughs> And then uh, they take my bag, they're wrapping it up, and then the guy says, uh, vaccine passport, sir. I ain't got a vaccine. <laughs> he didn't need a vaccine to get into Afghanistan. <laughs> so I look at him and just go, I ain't got one. And he looks at me in like, utter confusion, like he's never had yeah. this before. Gets his supervisor up. The supervisor just looks at him just annoyed and just goes, walks off. And the guy just goes, oh, bugger off. Just lets me through. When, when like, someone who's getting paid minimum wage turns down the stupid, pointless laws that we all know are stupid and pointless... Yeah, 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 yeah. It's just a much better life. If I, if he was checking the bag and said, did you put a bomb there? And I said, well, yeah, but, you know, I want to blow up the plane. He obviously would have arrested me on the spot. He doesn't not care about serious things. But when it comes to stupid stuff, like your vaccine passport, no one gives a crap. And they shouldn't give a crap in that country. But you do that in the West... Like, it's still illegal for me to go to the United States because of the vaccine stuff. Yeah. You know, if I get that, some TSA agent is going to be like, well, you haven't got it. You've got to go back. Yeah. Bro, what the hell do you care? You're getting paid minimum wage to work in the TSA. You give a crap about the vaccine? No. Like, you shouldn't, for Christ's sake. And it's... We had that in the UK as well. It's not even that rare to us. Remember when Boris was caught with his pants yeah. down, he was having parties, and the yeah. day after, none of those rules applied anymore. Security guards yeah. didn't bother trying to stop people for not wearing masks. Nobody gave a crap. You know, we had that culture for a day there. That's what I mean. The fact that those petty laws mean nothing. And when I was in Luhansk and you're back in a zone that's, you know, state of war, none of that petty crap means anything. And that's, I don't know. It's, it's just something spiritually just makes you happier in a, in a really messed up way because you're in a really messed up place. <laughs> but it's, it's, it's liberating. Well, it, it's when I, last time I was flying from Bulgaria and you had to wear masks must be last summer and everyone had to wear a mask you wear a mask they all get on the plane and as soon as they're sitting down they all just drop it down to their chin literally all the Bulgarians and here people would have it up over their nose here of course you've got the uh, air stewardesses checking people. I know I've got friends, air stewardesses, and they said they spent all their time checking masks. Where in Bulgaria, they realized it just was a load of crap, and therefore they didn't, they kind of would pay lip service, but really they knew it was nonsense. Where in the UK, they paid, not only did they pay lip service, but they believed everything they were told. Um, and it's that ability to think for yourselves. And it's it's quite weird when you come from the West. And so that's what I know. It's, I guess you, um, yeah, notice that as well, that they just don't fit in and don't accept things just because you're told them. Yeah, I mean, like a chap in the in the chat is mentioning anarchism. It's not anarchism. Like in, it was the same thing with Afghanistan and Luhansk. There is utter security in your yeah. position. No one's going to kill you for no reason. You know, you know, if you're blasphemed or something in Afghanistan, you're bugged, but don't do that. 
if uh, there's an ISIS terrorist in Afghanistan, there's Taliban every 100 meters with guns. That dude's dead before he gets to you. In Luhansk, there are tanks and army soldiers everywhere. Someone tries to start something, they're getting arrested or shot immediately. You couldn't feel safer in terms of like, no one's going to stab me. It's not like you're in Birmingham. There's none of that. Personal threat. But the actual rules of life matter again. The things the state are doing is actually something you can respect. Security. That's the number one concern. That's what's actually going on. But none of this oh, nonsense mentality exists. Andrew Tate actually described this in a really interesting way. And maybe you'll get it as well. He was in Romania. He walks into the gas station. And uh, the Romanian guy goes, oh, you need mask. And he just, I don't know, sorry, I told the story wrong. He's in the UK, goes to a gas station. The guy says, you yeah. need a mask. He's like, bro, I filled up the car. Here's the money. He says, no, you need to wear a mask before I can make you pay. He's like, if you take the money or I'm leaving with the gas for free, I, I don't, I'm not putting on a mask. What are you talking about? Uh, the dude starts losing it and is like, no, you have to wear a mask or I can't take your money. You need to... Bro, you're getting paid minimum wage to work in a gas station. What the hell do you care? Like if Shell have this policy of you worst man. You think the CEO of Shell gives a crap if the no. new customer walking in is wearing a mask when he pays for the... No, nobody cares. This rule is meaningless. Everyone in the room knows it. And yeah, I, I don't know if it's our Protestant work ethic or something, but the Anglosphere worker who's getting paid minimum wage just goes, the rules are the rules, like a German. And he's just like, yeah, must implement the... No, one, no one's going to make him implement those rules. He does it to himself. And then Tate mentions, you do that in Romania, same situation. You walk in... The Romanian guy will say, sir, you must wear a mask. And you say, I'm not doing it. And the Romanian worker will go, eh. <laughs> <That's true. laughs> not because he wouldn't do that if you were like, I'm not going to pay. You've got to pay. That's that's important. But on stupid, nonsensical rules, I'm a waste of my time with this. And we don't have that in the West. And it, it, it annoys the crap out of me. I remember some Bulgarians telling me you have to wear a mask because they were wearing one on their chin. <laughs> it's just like, it's, it's so weird. Do you realize yeah. it's just like like a piss take? It's like, we don't give a shit. And you kind of pretend it's like, yeah, so weird. So but weird. It's, that, it's, it's that part of the, the outside. Once you get outside the Western world, that's really the metric. It's, it's not yeah, yeah. like corruption and bribery or the law doesn't apply. It's the, I'm not listening to nonsense. Mindset. And and that do you have that in spades in Russia of the people? So I can I can appreciate that of the people. Sure, there's other problems. Sure, no, I don't agree with those things. But when I talk about this thing, and, and you'll recognize it as well in Bulgaria, Tate recognized it in Romania. Um, really, the ex-Soviet nations really know how to go. I don't care what the dear leader's saying. Yeah, for and for a good reason. Yeah. Here, one uh, one thing I want to ask you that actually didn't really talk about. I don't think, but. Um, you, I live in London, and it's you. Sometimes it's difficult to find English people uh, living in London. Uh, I assume over there in Russia, it's still fairly Russian. Um, it's I guess it hasn't been hit by the multicultural nonsense. So this is a, a big criticism of Putin from the Russian nationalists. I found on both the trips I've done there, and it, it's true. It's a valid criticism, which is that if you go to Moscow, for example, yep, there's a lot of Russians but they have some of the same problems we have. The reason for this is because not only is the Russian Federation a huge country, huge amount of ethnic diversity just because it's so big, and there are loads of ethnic republics inside that are made up of ethnic minorities that travel all over the place. They also have the Kazakhstan border, 
which is ridiculously huge. They don't really man it. They don't really have the ability to man it. Uh, so that's not happening. In which case, they have loads of illegals, not to mention the legal immigration from those countries because the quality of life working in Moscow as a tax driver is way better, blah, blah, blah. One of the funny stories I got told, so there, I mean, there's a huge amount of those people in Moscow, which is visible, especially in the taxi drivers. One of the stories I got told is that the mayor of Moscow was talking about the fact that they're putting up Uzbek language signs below the Russian signs in this district in Moscow, because the Uzbeks are taking too long in the metro. They'll get out, they'll stare at the signs, they don't really know where they're going. So he's putting up the Uzbek language. And this uh, this lady's telling me the story, and I'm looking at her like, lady, I've been here three days, I can read Cyrillic. Yeah. You're telling me these people live in Moscow, and they can't read a Russian metro sign about which which street they live on? I, I mean, it was just kind of strange that that kind of cockholdry in that sense of having no standards for your ethnic minorities, you treat them like children. Like, you should just give up all of your culture and language and everything else because, oh, well, they can't read the signs. Learn to read, then. I mean, it's, it's not it's not a big ask, learning to read. So I, they do have those problems as well. It's just nowhere near what we have in the UK. And for them, it's it's really only in these big hubs like Moscow where all the money is. So, yeah. you know, I, don't. Th- this is what I mean by, like, some sections of the right who have never been to Russia, don't know anything about it, will fetishize Putin and be like, yeah, he's, he's tough on immigration and whatnot. Yeah, compared to us, sure. Uh, but... It doesn't mean there's no problems. And, and again, same solution, which is just say no. We're not putting up Uzbek language signs. Learn to read, you goddamn losers. That's the correct response. What do you mean you can't read? <laughs> Education's free. <laughs> exactly. Uh, let's finish off on food. Um, looking for food, you got McDuck. And I'm kind of thinking, did you order a what a big duck? And that just doesn't sound right. But <laughs> and it, t- tell us about because they, they these places obviously Western companies have pulled out, but um, and then you get McDuck. And what was that like? So I should probably take it a little bit slower. So in the Russian Federation, so the old Russia, the Western companies pulled out. You've got mainly the ones you'll find in day to day life. Um, Ikea isn't there. Very few Russians went to Ikea. It's very much a rich person thing. So means nothing. You've got McDonald's, which has been changed to its tasty full stop. It's now run by some Russian guy. All the profits stay in Russia. Supply chains are all the same. All the food comes from Russia. Mm. Nothing's changed. So great. That's actually a net win for them. They're no longer sending money to the McDonald's USA company. Uh, Starbucks, same deal. There are a couple of others you'll find in day-to-day life, but again, all the products don't come from the West. So, I mean, remember, the West is basically a service economy for a place like Russia, and yeah. in which case, they can do the services. It's not hard. In fact, they could pay Russians to do it, save money. Uh, and then in Luhansk, because that used to be Ukraine and has been for eight years in a state of conflict, they care even less about copyright laws. Uh, so they opened McDuck, which I still have the wrappers for and that's the McDonald's there. It, it literally has the Disney font, which is illegal. And they have the Disney characters that they put out, which, you know, again, is illegal. What was weird there is that the, so the, you know, the interior design of McDonald's, remember when it used to be like black and white squares, or whatever, yeah. and then they changed it. So it was those like wavy patterns and like, um, they had like these wooden things behind the benches that would have like gaps missing. Yeah. Like slats. And, yeah. You know, the kind of design I'm thinking of. Yeah, yeah. 
that's what they have in Ukraine, Luhansk, the Russian territory, because it's just not been touched in like eight years. Uh, it's, it's still clean. All the fryers make the same beeping noises. Uh, you could buy a black bread Big Mac, which I didn't do because I don't like a black bread. But in Russia, they've got the modern ones because it's, it's, you know, only a year ago that changed. When I asked people about all of that, no one could have given a crap. This is something I, I really, I'm kind of annoyed about, that the delusion so many people have in the West about Russia, they, they think it's just like the West and it's just as effective as if we lost McDonald's tomorrow, people would be freaking mm. out. <laughs> McDonald's was even only in quite good places in Russia. Yeah. The people who went there, you know, Russian people don't like McDonald's all that much. They've got their own fast foods, which are frankly better. Like smoked salmon is so easy to get there for some reason, so cheap compared to your crappy Big Mac. And even then, if you're a Russian and some company does that, not only do you not care, if they ever came back, you're not going to go back and shop with them because they betrayed your country. Yeah. So it's a, it's a lose-lose on that front. You know, places like Bur Burger King hasn't left. They're making bank. McDonald's left, but they're open. So our biggest competitor decided to leave the country. What a retard. Make loads of money. And for the companies doing that, the, the argument is made that, oh, maybe they did it for moral reasons. You think any of these companies do anything for moral reasons? Are you, are you high? Nope. No. It's, they're not doing it for Ukrainian nationalism reasons either. None of these companies are Ukrainian. None of them have big markets in Ukraine. They've done this because some letter was sent from the White House. All yep. their CEOs are actually that dumb and have just been taken on with the current thing and jumped in on it. I don't, I don't think any of these CEOs actually care about the, the morality question in any of this. And I, I cannot stress enough, things in Russia are not collapsing as a result of the sanctions. Mm. I was re-watching the YouTube channel called Laserpig. I quite like the guy. I got nothing against him. I love his content. Um, tank stuff. Love that. Anyway. So he did some videos about when the war started. And I was going back and just checking out what people were saying when it first kicked off. Uh, and one of the predictions he makes, for example, is like, oh, the conditions in Russia are perfect for being about the same as the Russian Revolution in 1918. And, you know, it was sort of a weird thing to say then. After being there, food's cheaper than ever. Gas is cheaper than ever. I, I don't know if you saw it's 19 pence for unlimited gas in the hand. Uh, I saw you enjoying just watching gas burn. Ah. <laughs> It's great. <laughs> Life could not be more normal. I met people who were anti-Putin as well. I met people who were anti-special operation, anti-war, all of that. And I asked them, what's changed then for you? Because, I mean, you're not going to tell me everything's fine because you're some Russian nationalist who just is sitting there writing Zs on everything you find. And they just, all of them, without fault, were just like, well, not really anything. The only lady I could find who told me anything changed was she worked in... Um, selling high-tech equipment. So like high-tech cameras or high-tech uh, computer systems, right? And she said, so I asked her, well, okay, that must have been blocked off now because those companies aren't doing it in Russia. And she said, no. I said, what do you mean? I said, well, they fly to Kazakhstan and then the plane flies to Moscow. <laughs> so the worst thing that's happened to them on a human level is like really high-tech stuff is up 20% in cost. And only rich people were buying that anyway. So they don't give a crap. Yeah. And like when I went to the, the GUM, the GYM, the richest place, the Harrods of Russia, and all the Western stores have a little sign that's saying down due to technical issues. They're all still paying rent. They all still have equipment. They all still have the lights on in those stores. 
They are just waiting for the right time to reopen those stores. They do not want to give up those spots. They make mad money on those things in normal circumstances. And those companies, again, if you're rich and you want to buy Louis Vuitton and you're Putin's mistress, easily done. Kazakhstan exists. We'll fly it in, darling. It, it's, it, it really kind of hurts me that it seems to have done so little, not because I necessarily want Russians to suffer or something, but just because I am being endlessly propagandized in the West with, trust me, something's being, nothing is being done. The average life of an average Russian has not been affected at all. The rich Russians, not affected at all. If someone wants to make an argument about like their banking industry has taken a hit and maybe there's some long-term effects there, you can argue. Sure, I don't know anything about that, so I'm not going to speak on it. But if, if someone wants to think that the average life is about to make the Russian population rise up and overthrow them, you're not living in reality. Come back down, okay? For them, life is more normal than it's ever been. Something weird happening in our country to do with war. Okay, I'm Russian. That happens every 20 years. It's it's not new. Yeah, yeah. So here, while our fuel fuel bills have quadrupled, um, actually, we're still winning, <laughs> even though families' yeah. finances are decimated. Uh, it's a weird winning. Very weird. I actually played a game with everyone I met, even the border guards. Which is, so I, I messaged a mate of mine. I was like, so what's the average gas bill? Because I only have electricity in my apartment here. And uh, he's a landlord, so he's got a few apartments and friends. So he told me, okay, so there's this lady who pays this much. That's about average right now. And so I convert it into rubles and show everyone. Same reaction every single time. Seriously? Da, da, serious, yes. Yes, true. Oh. And then they'd ask me how much does an average English person make? Convert it back into rubles. It's not enough for them to think that's normal. Because they were like, you yeah. this much of your salary goes on just gas? Um, yeah. What, it, it, there are so many people in this part of the civilization who I found are still deluded into thinking that they're living some cold, miserable hell and were the ones who are doing just a little bit rough around the winter. No, man, we're, we're really suffering and they're not noticing it. That's the truth of the matter. You, you can be mad about that. You can wish it was the opposite. It's not. Um, just final thought is that when you talked about uh, they don't survive on McDonald's, it's not a big thing if they lose these brands. I think a sign that the West has collapsed is people sitting at home being able to order a McDonald's to come to your home. It's just literally bonkers that actually the, our populations in the West are living on McDonald's. <laughs> just a sad state of affairs. You can get it on it with a bike directly to your front door. What am I? And you said... <laughs> Salmon, maybe? No, no, no. Let's go for a Big Mac and fries. Okay. I'm imagining you looking out the window, seeing Deliveroo, and just be like, this is the end of the West. It's over. Because <laughs> <laughs> I eat a lot of McDonald's. I happen to have a McDonald's like right next to my apartment. So, pro tip, double cheeseburger, small fries, three quid. Best cost of money you can get. And, uh, I, I, you know, I quite like the, the concept. It's a very capitalistic mindset. Maximize calories, lowest cost. All that stuff, you know, gets the the rightest part of my capitalist brain excited. Uh, I, I know a friend who used to work at McDonald's, and he he loved like the calculation of how quickly you could wrap stuff would save this many pennies and all that nonsense. But if you're really deluded enough to think like without McDonald's, Russia is finished, or Saudi Arabia is finished, or China's finished, or some other country you don't like, number one, yeah, I mean you're high. Uh, number number two, 
What happens when Burger King stays? That's right, nothing. Nothing happens. And we really seem to have a lot less power than we think we do. The idea that Western sanctions will really cripple the enemy in North Korea, yeah. In uh, Iran, apparently it had some large effect. In a place like Russia that has all the damn resources, it couldn't mean less. Like, we've got all this stuff. It's just the services we don't have. You know, there's there's high-level things, but if you've already set them up for them, okay, copy-paste. Copyright, what's that? Yeah, and of course, they still have access to the Chinese market. So what what Britain says, they're not buying or whatever. That's okay, we'll just go to China. It's like, uh uh-oh. You guys don't make anything anymore. Like, the the world really has changed about who makes things, who's who's important in that dynamic, and, and we mentally haven't caught up to that. We aren't leveraging what we have and instead thinking, oh, we can we can make them suffer with this. And it, it just doesn't work. Callum, thank you for coming on and sharing your thoughts. Um, I don't know whether an African shithole country is going to be next on your list. <laughs> I mean, if you have any recommendations, I have got, I, I, I think I recommend it's Zimbabwe. I was thinking about turning up in a Rhodesian light infantry uniform. I just go and see what's left of Rhodesia. But I called a mate who used to be there. He's like, yeah, they'll probably kill you. I was like, yeah, maybe not then. <laughs> well, I look the the guy you met, the the weird guy, the dancing guy, the mustache guy, the um, some undercover Ev- terrorist Evgeny. guy. Uh, yeah, I've got it. No, 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 no. He's, w- he's 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 like a soldier slash you know soldier of fortune. I don't know. I, I was just thinking whether Lotus Eaters would have paid your ransom. Uh, I could think I could see this going horribly <laughs> wrong. <laughs> I originally he didn't ask for any money either. He was just like, yeah, I'll do it for free. And by the time I'd ruined his like week, <laughs> I was just like, "Yeah, here's here's a uh, here's a hundred quid." Sorry, <laughs> so. Um, Callum, no, thanks for joining us. And our viewers and listeners, obviously, Britannica Politica. You can find the videos; they're in the description. Um, however, you're watching, uh, the links should be in there. Or if you're listening on Podbean or any podcasting apps, the links are also there. So, Callum, thank you once again for joining us. Thanks so much for having me. Uh, I'll come around next time I go to some hellhole. No, no, you didn't bring. Oh, sorry, you didn't bring any AK forty sevens back or t shirts. No, uh, I got some Hello Kitty t shirts actually. Maybe yeah. I could sell stuff. I've got Have loads you still of Russian got Hello merch. Kitty. Yeah, yeah. Well, I don't know how much of that I could say. So I've got all the Russian stuff still. I've got some merch. Go to my Twitter page. There's a full list there of the things: Afghan, Serbian, and uh, Russian stuff. If it has a quote, teat selling sold out. It's sold out. If it don't. I probably got it. Message me on Twitter or Subscribestar. Uh, if you want to support me, subscribe to Subscribestar. But the Hello Kitty shirts. So guy I knew in Afghan, I said to him, look, bring them to uh, the UK. I'll come pick them up. Uh, he did that. Um, bad news. Uh, he's um, gone bye-bye now. So the shirts I have are the last shirts I'm ever getting. So limited supply. <laughs> All your friends keep dying in these places. It's weird. <laughs> Well, I mean, it's, you know, it's not Miami. <laughs> <laughs> that is true. That is true. Uh, give us your handle again on Twitter. Uh, I think it's uh, at CAD Secretary. Uh, it's called Callum. There's a picture of me with Lahansk signed behind me and a couple of Russian soldiers off to kill people. Who knows? So... Um- and people can click on the sub, on the subscribe store there, and they can um, they can actually support your extensive travels. Yeah, I, again, if you go to the YouTube channel, you'll find these things fairly easily around there somewhere. 
Okay, perfect. Well, on that, uh, I'll say goodbye to our viewers and we'll see you on Saturday with David Vance and his week's review of the news. So thank you very much for tuning in, for watching. Have a good rest of your Thursday and we'll see you back on Saturday. So thank you very much and good night to you all. If you like what we do, sign up to our mailing list. Donate, share, and subscribe to our many platforms at heartsofoak.org. Thank you for listening.